All right, so we're gonna we're getting right back into it. So, um, Brian, you had mentioned about you had the person who's coming from the big house, five hundred thousand dollar house versus the trailer, and if they both lose their home, one thing they'll have in common when they look at each other is we're both homeless. So, my question is, have you dealt with that type of clientele? Um, while you've been in Team Challenge? I absolutely have. Um, I've dealt with many, many different walks of life and different levels of, of success that, you know, you know, so to speak of, you know, people who have been, you know, ran multi-million dollar companies, um, people who have been in politics, people who, I remember a guy telling me how he and his wife were out on this yacht and when she got sick, he had the helicopter fly in and pick her up to take her to the hospital. Mm. And he, just, he was having like a casual conversation. Like, yeah, I called the helicopter that came and got her and took her out, landed on the boat, you know. And I'm like, okay, so this is this guy has lived and seen some things on another level. Um, but, you know, alcohol took him out. And, um, you know, I saw, I've seen a lot. And I'll tell you, the more that people have seen, the different levels of success they have seen, it makes it hard for them to to try to uh, be content in situations where they're, you know, in a community living and things like that because of the expectation that they have placed on themselves that they should be living life at a different level. Oh, wow. Now, let me, let me jump in there because what you just said and what you just described is something that... A rich guy who's dead now, but by the name of Solomon in the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he talks about the vanity of life. And one thing he, he's mentioning, and this is this is age-old wisdom, he says, he talks about guarding against greed because basically what he says, and I'm paraphrasing, it'll never be enough. If I have a big house, I want a bigger house. If I got one car, I may want a fleet of cars. Yep. And if you look at Solomon's life, one woman wasn't enough. So true. See, that's talking about the physical. And see, this is one of the things I tell um, young guys. And I'm also speaking to women, too, because we show them love. But it is here's one of the principles in Scripture that you have to understand. There was a reason... That God wanted us, his creation, in relationships to enjoy uh, sex, the bonding, the enjoyment of that in the confounds of marriage. Why? It's not to restrict you, as some may say, from having fun, but it's really to protect you with godly boundaries. Now, if you were never taught that... It may be hard for you. I understand that because of the fact what we will do as men and women, the things that we were not taught, even if I grew up in church, I'm going to fall back on my tradition or really I like to call it what my natural human nature wants to do. So this is why I said earlier about learning and the importance of learning how to submit my life to the Holy Spirit 
And this is something you have to do daily because if you think that, okay, I got everything under control, I haven't went back over there in three months, okay, something could happen that I call it, it's a spiritual drive-by that'll blindside you and you could be somewhere that you never planned on being or doing something you never planned on doing. So the thing is, Again, learning how not only to appreciate and develop your relationship with the third person of the Godhead called the Holy Spirit, because that is so important and so vital. And look, if you are find yourself going somewhere where you should not be going, hey, you still have time to make a conscious decision to get out of there and do the right thing. And it's still ask him for help. When you need help. Amen. Right, so you continue, man. I, I just had to throw that in there, man. I, I'm, I want you to just continue. Yeah. So, um, I, um, you know, Solomon, Solomon is a, is a book that Ecclesiastes is a book that I've read before, and um, I, I, to be transparent, the first time that I read it, you know, I, I read it all wrong. You know, I was listening to Solomon talk about all these different things and how, you know, um, what he did, and and and, and it, it kind of depressed me. You know, um, <laughs> I, didn't, I you know, I didn't get it, and and, and, I, and I had to talk to someone who was mentoring me early on uh-huh. in my walk, and he and he and he let me know that listen, you know, basically what he's saying is that you know this is it. it there is no. There is no end to stuff and things and people. You, you will you will always continue to get stuff and things and people if that's your focus. You know, and at the end of the day, the best life gets is loving the Lord, having your family around the table and a good meal. He said that your table may be nicer than my table. <laughs> he said, but that's the best life get is to walk with Jesus and have your family and your loved ones around you. Wow. And that's something we've really gotten away from in our yeah. society and culture. Um, wow. And let, let me throw this out there because I also encourage young men and I don't, I don't know if you have this type of uh, I'm going to say group of men or women coming to you but particularly with the men I know men who have um, led godly households, um, lived the life in front of their family, and at the end of the day, when the kids are grown and gone, some of these men were disrespected by their children, cursed by their children, cussed out by their children, and even uh, even some of their spouses have left and walked out and betrayed them. And they're sitting there saying, what did I do wrong? Because you know, in their mind, it's, okay, I did what I was supposed to do, God, and I didn't expect for when everyone grows up and leaves, I would be sitting here with this being my story. And one of the things that I've, I've learned and I've told these guys is that, one, you cannot control someone else's actions, number one. That's not your job to try to control. You may not understand what they do. You can only control you. And the second thing is, if your kids are estranged from you, look, you're still their father, 
reach out as as much as you can and you know what they may not come to their senses while you're still alive they may do it later but one thing you can do that they can't stop you from doing is learn how to pray for the salvation of their mind, their will, their intellect, their mo- their emotions for right connections so that God can get involved spiritually what you can't do or where you can't be at. What do you say to that? I say that it, what you're saying is absolutely true and um, I can relate to that and to the understanding of being the spiritual head over my children, over my family, um, and I can be, uh, and I can witness to the fact that regardless of whatever the situation is, God will answer your prayers. He will answer the prayers of the father that is praying for his child. Mm. Uh, he will do that, and, and, and I am I am proof of that, and I know that that's true. And you know, it's 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 where that testimony that you share with someone that that is going through something like that, you know, becomes relevant. You know, the power of a testimony releases not just power from you, but power into the other person. It gives them the strength to stand up and say, "Hey, look." I feel that way too, you know, the Me Too movement, I guess, you know, and so it's, it, that's the real Me Too movement, you know, oh, it's okay. like, the, okay, I'm glad you clarified that, yeah, let, let me, let me clarify that, because okay. I don't want to say that, I ain't trying to, I don't want no problems, I don't want nobody out yeah, front of the I house, saw big mamas, stuff, I know? saw big mamas backhand coming your way when yeah, you, nah, before nah, you clarified that, no, no problems, no, I had no the duck over here, but go ahead, yeah, but the test, Me Too in regards to testimony, because that's really what, you know, it, it, it does when it when it comes to sharing with people, and, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, I would say to those people, I would say that that you know there is a spiritual warfare going on, and you know whether we are in the ring or out of the ring doesn't change what's going on. So you either make a decision to get in the ring so you can fight back, or you stand on the side. And just take the blows. I want to be in the ring. I want to be praying, regardless of the situation. I'm in the ring. Wow, wow, that's good. And we and we need uh, more Christians that are doing that, and really to understand that every day is a fight. It's a battle. I've mentioned the spiritual part, but I've had many men say to me, they talk about you know just sometimes my body act like it don't want to do what it wants to do. I've heard females say that. You have to fight every day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard people make jokes. I saw something the other day on, on, on Facebook, and I was like, I can relate. You know, it's like, you know, my problem is I love Jesus, but I want to smack people too every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I get it. You know, it's just, it's, just, it's just a battle I think everyone goes through, you know, the nonsense of it and, and the way people act and, and the things that are inside us that, you know, the way Big Mama raised me, you don't, you don't act like that, you know, and, and, you know, you just, you just don't, you just don't treat people certain ways and something raises up inside of all of us. And I've had to, you know, just be mindful of that. And, and especially being, you know, I'm, I'm six foot six, you know, I weigh almost 300 pounds. I have to be careful yeah, when, yeah. when I make a move or when I say something, because, you know, I don't want nobody calling the cops on me. You know, I, I don't want no problems. I'm, I'm non-violent. You know what I mean? 
you know, I just, I take a stand, you know, I'm not a bully, I'm a bully stopper, you know, okay. I, I always have been, you know, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, just being self-aware is, is key, I think, and, and, I, and, and we have a lot of rules in our program and a lot of different things that we do, you know, that just teach people that these things are in place so that you aware, are aware of how you're conducting yourself, where you are, where you are, and how you're contributing at all times. Mm, that's, and that's, that's important. That's perfect. Well, let me ask you this. What would uh, the 49-year-old Brian say to the 21-year-old Brian if he could talk to him today? Mm. Man, what a great question. Um, I would say stop trying to validate yourself through other people understand that if you rise on people's praises you'll fall on their criticisms mm, okay what does that mean that means that don't let don't don't you know for lack of better words if someone if someone is is, is praising you and that's that's what you're looking to do and you're looking to please man and and you're moving in a way that you know puts you in a position where you can be you know making someone proud of you and that's what you're doing it for and instead of being proud of yourself you're doing it so someone else can be proud of you if that's your focus when that person isn't proud of you or when that person criticizes you it, it, it has the opposite effect but, but Brian, I mean, what do you say? I mean, the girls like him, you know, when they being the man and, you know, I mean, the girl look good and hey, you know, if she roll her eyes, you know, her man's supposed to get up. What what do you say to those guys? From what, what do you mean? I, I don't know if I understood well, the, the well, scenario. Well, I'm saying, aren't they supposed to jump up and protect their woman and, uh, you know, ball, you know, because, you know, the people around them, they love them, don't they? They yeah. ballers. They the big ballers. That's a, that's a, that's a, uh, one of those situations that I think we've all felt, you know, as young men trying to be the man and trying to be the tough guy that we've all felt like we need to defend someone's honor and we need to do those type of things. And I feel like that that's just more peer pressure based. That's more, you know, people that people are setting themselves up to be, you know, to, to have to, to, to meet an expectation that they place or that their persona has placed over themselves. You know, you want to walk this way, you want to talk this way, you want to act this way. So if something happens, then there's certain things you're supposed to do to respond in that way in order to be legit. Absolutely. You know? And um, I, I would just say, you know, get real. Like, be real about who you really are. And, you know, most of the people that act that way are, are simply acting. They really aren't that way. They're just insecure and they, they, they feel like that's what they got to do. Or, you know, maybe they would, you know, it, it just takes time to develop. I think that those are the scenarios that, that sometimes people don't get the easy way that they have to go through that, that and see how it really doesn't mean anything. Wow. You know, okay. That's real. I would say the twenty. I would say the twenty-one-year-old Brian that don't stop living.
drug dealers and I used to do all of that and I used to arrest the people and put them in jail and then I'd see them out there again and it's a revolving door and there's really no healing or rehabilitation involved in it and it's really not you know correction or the department of corrections as they call it it's really just the, the department of incarceration because there's really not much correction that takes place mm. what I would say is, is, is you know now what I know is that you know instead of catching the drug dealers and doing all that stuff I'm still doing the same work except this time I'm helping the people so the drug dealers don't have no clients ah okay so so you, you ain't showing no love for the streets that's what that means I mean, I just want to help the people. I don't want you to have to go see the man to get the drugs. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So you, you so you bad you, for I'm, business, somebody going to say. I'm going to say that again. You yeah, bad, bad for business, business, man. You bad, bad for, for business. Yeah. I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm bad for that business. For okay, sure. okay. All right, you bad, bad for that. Because, you know, so it's still, you know, the same type of work. And I feel like that, that, that what I do now is much more meaningful than what I did then. Mm, and, okay. and I would just tell 21-year-old Brian to focus on something that's going to affect someone's life in a way that's going to ch- maybe possibly change their community, change their family, change the world even. You know, and, and just locking them up and putting them in jail is not going to do it. You know, you got to help them. You know, if you help somebody get better, then maybe they'll help somebody get better. Maybe they'll help somebody get better. And who knows how many people you have in you. If I help you, you may have 10,000 people in you because now you've gotten your life together and now you're going to preach the gospel like you're doing. So me helping you could connect me to something that's so powerful because I don't know how many people you got in you, but I know I was a part of helping you get there. Oh, wow. So you, so you just did your part. That's all you did. That's all I'm trying to do. Oh, wow. All right. All right. Let, let me let me end with this uh final question uh do you have any words of encouragement for those men who say the system's not fair what salvation do i have what do you have to say to them when you say the system's not fair are you talking about uh, the the department of corrections or are you talking about what, what are you pertaining to what system um both the department of corrections some say that um you know i'm riding with my boy or we were riding and i got arrested for um, jaywalking, and he just got a ticket for speeding through the red sign. Mm-hmm. You know what do you say to that? They say well, it's not fair. That's not I think fair it. To them. Yeah, I, I think it, it. It comes down to understanding. You know, when I say be self-aware, that's also understanding that you know the times that we're living in, and understanding that there are certain things that we're going to be exposed to, not because of anything we've done, but because we happen to be at the wrong place at the right time. And there are situations, and what we have to do is get better at handling how we negotiate through those those situations, how we represent, how we we break the, the, the stereotypical idea that everyone's angry and everyone's, you know, that, you know, that maybe in a certain situation is doing wrong. Um, the you know that that whole thing. Um, I, I've been in a situation where I was pulled over in the car with someone else that was just speeding. I think they were doing like forty and a twenty-five. You know, so it wasn't you know no serious crime, but they were speeding, and the cop wanted to ID me too. And and you know um, you know instead of you know now twenty-one year old Brian. 
would have started would have started talking about the code book and the law and you can't and I just simply said listen I you know I prefer not to give you my ID because you didn't pull me over you pulled the driver of the car over okay. and you know he said some things and he you know was kind of um um trying to you know egg me on and trying to get me into a, a discussion with him but I just I just chose not to and and I think that's what we have to do is we have to look at the fact that okay if we be quiet if we if we remain quiet and just get through this situation is it going to change my life five weeks from now is my life going to be different right now because I didn't argue with this cop now if I do argue with this cop could my life be different five weeks from now absolutely Okay, so that's, I, would, that's good. I would say count the cost and, 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 and be aware and understand, um, you know, be awake, as they say, you know. Okay, okay, great. And for those of you guys who didn't understand that uh, translation, um, from my side of the table, this is what we call having mouth control. Okay, having mouth okay. control, or you don't want your mouth to write a check that your behind can't cash. That's right. All right, all right. All right, well, Brian, we're going to end right there, man. Thank you for coming. Um, any, let me let's do it this way here. Any questions that you have for me, the host, right now? Since we've been talking in dialogue, any questions for me? I'm gonna put myself on the spot. Okay. Um, well, would you share with me? Um, your major influence for doing what you do right now. Oh, okay. Not a problem. Um, One of the things that is a part of my background, as I had uh, mentioned earlier when we were talking, I had had, uh, gone and started prison ministry. It was almost like 30 years ago. And I saw... Um, young men, young women, grown men and women. I saw what that community was like. However, what I didn't know or realize at the time was this world that I saw, it really wasn't new to me and it didn't scare me because the first place that I had met my biological father at was behind prison bars. Okay. And, and that was, and, and I was wondering, uh, just hearing a little bit of your story, where your, um, where your ability to see behind the bars and see the people came from. And, and I thank you for, for sharing that because I knew that there was something and, and thank you for letting me know. <laughs> hey, that's no problem. And I share uh, more of that story and a lot of the books that I've written and they're on the website, things like that. But me and my father today, um, we have a, I would say, a beautiful relationship. He's in his 70s. And in the last five years, our relationship has really blossomed um, because one of the things I decided to do, now let me say this here, and I don't mind saying this, me and my father never physically grew up in the same house together. I knew who he was because he would come to town to visit after he uh, left, um, after trying to live in the city of Philadelphia. But as one thing he tells me, and it's also in our first podcast where you can hear us having a conversation, he said, in his opinion, when he went to the city of Philadelphia and he tried to live there, he said a lot of the black people in the community to him 
They were very stupid. And I asked him, I said, well, why do you say that? He said, because I couldn't understand why brothers would be gang warned and killing one another in their own community. So he shared that with me and even more about even how he was approached and he decided to leave and to move back to North Carolina. But he would always come to town, particularly during the holidays when he had days off of work. And he would come visit his mother, and he would come visit me. My mother did not block that relationship. And um, that's how I got to know him over the years. Now, that's my biological father. However, there's another man, or was another man in my life, who I call my stepfather, which accepted me when I wasn't even his son, nor when his biological son by our same mother before he was even born. And see, that's a part of my life, and I share that, and I don't mind sharing it more, where that part of the family came from the city of Detroit. Okay. Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I don't want anybody to mistake when I say Detroit where it's at. So, <laughs> so if you understand, and I believe um, his side of the family, there were a total of, he was one of 10 siblings, I believe, like five girls and five boys. So in my growing up, in my mother's house, as a, and my mother was a believer, she accepted Christ. In her life, she truly did when she when I was about three years old and my brother was just born. So, um, being and not only visiting, let's say uh, these fathers in jail, growing up in the inner city, um, everybody has challenges, single family household. I don't, I can't tell you exactly where it happened at with what I'm doing with what I'm doing now, but, and even the mentors, uh, one of the guys I write about in my latest book, uh, that'll be coming out this year, uh, he owned his own barbershop in the neighborhood and a lot of my mentoring, that's why I say fathers and mentors, that's the name of the latest book, but a lot of my mentoring came from this guy and other people and I remember one of the elders in the church and when I moved away from home at the age of 21 a month before my 22nd birthday and I moved down to the Washington DC area I was really surprised because a lot of the men that I had ran into they couldn't relate or they didn't have the same experience of the the mentoring um relationship a lot of guys were angry at their fathers for what they did not do um and things like that so I didn't realize what God was doing in my life in every situation there's a scripture in the Bible that tells us that God works out every single thing that happens to you in your life for his good And so what I'm doing, what I do now, um, and what you hear from the podcast, from the the writings that are on the website, um, under uh, a good word, uh, my books, all of that is, that's just stuff I will, I can honestly say, I'm just pouring out what was poured in. So, you know, that's why I do what I do. um, And I say this here, I'm not 
I don't have this podcast. I don't have books. I don't have the shirts. I don't have the materials out there because I'm trying to sell stuff to support the ministry. I have all of that because a part of my assignment at this age in my life is to help change lives. That's why I do what I do. Yeah. Well, I can tell that your cup overflows. I'm glad to be... Uh, oh, oh, wait a minute, Brian. Now, let me stop you. You went Christianese on me again. Okay. Well, what are you talking about this cup and this overflowing, okay? I haven't spilt anything, y'all. You sure about that? I, all I said was good morning. That's all I had to say. I said hello. That's all I did. Well, you know, the Bible talks about how the blessings over our life will call things, cause things to overflow, which means they come out of us, which means others that are around us are blessed um, just by proximity, you know? Wow. And and that's something that we should remember. Um, and that's something that, you know, I, I think you're well aware of that, you know, um, the, the overflow in which you, you um, are taking advantage of is a good thing. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I, I'm just going to remind um, everyone who's listening. Um, when the book drops this year, the Barbershop Chronicles, look, go out and get a copy. Uh, you can order it from our website. Look there. That helps us. And one thing I tell people, and I'm telling you now, get a copy. If you want to know about the barbershop experience, particularly the black barbershop experience, share it with a friend or purchase more than one for someone who's questioned you about what men talk about in the barbershop and why the barbershop experience has really affirmed a lot of them. So you do that. And Brian, I just want to say thank you, man. And um, I really enjoyed you today. Thank you for having me, Travis, and anyone that uh, is looking as a loved one that may be in need of help, um, you know, please give us a call. There is a resource there. It's a free program. It's an inpatient program. We're just going to love on them, talk about Jesus, give them Jesus for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we're going to send them back to you healed and ready to, to live in this world and maintain life consistently and st- with stability. So please give us a call or look us up on our website. It's Northern Virginia, uh, NorthernVirginiaTeamChallenge.com. Um, you can ask for Brian and uh, would love to hear from you. Would love to be a part of helping uh, someone you care about get better. You got a phone number to give them? I do. Go ahead. Give us your phone number. Okay. 631-835-2526. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, you heard the phone number, so you call Brian, blow him up, and let him know where you heard about him from. All right, thank you, Brian. Thank you. All thank right. you, sir.